Part One, Chapter Twenty Two of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Marianne. There was no one in the reception room except Prince Vasily and the oldest princess, and these two were sitting under the Empress's portrait, talking eagerly about something. As soon as they caught sight of Pierre and his guide, they stopped, and it seemed to the young man that the princess hid something and whispered. I cannot abide the sight of that woman. Katish has made tea in the little drawing-room, said Prince Vasily in French, addressing Anna Mikhailovna. Come, ma pauvre Anna Mikhailovna, you had better take something to eat, else you might be the worse for it. He said nothing to Pierre, but gave his arm a sympathetic pressure just below the shoulder. Pierre and Anna Mikhailovna went into what he called le petit salon, there is nothing so refreshing as a cup of this excellent Russian tea after a sleepless night, said Dr. Lorraine, with an expression of restrained liveliness, as he stood in the small, circular drawing-room, sipping his tea from a delicate porcelain cup. Just back of him was a table with the tea-service and a cold supper. Around the table were gathered for refreshments all those who were spending this night in Count Buzakoy's mansion. Pierre well remembered this little circular drawing-room, with its mirrors and small tables. In days gone by, when the Count gave balls, Pierre, who did not know how to dance, liked to sit in this little room of mirrors, and watch the ladies in their ball toilets, with diamonds and pearls on their bare necks, as they passed through, glance at themselves in the brightly illuminated mirrors, which reflected back their beauties. Now the room was dimly lighted by a pair of candles, and at this midnight hour there stood on one of the small tables a disorderly array of tea-things, while a motley throng of people in anything but ball-dresses was scattered about it, talking in whispers, by every motion, every word, evincing how little they could forget what was now taking place, or going to take place, in that chamber of death. Pierre did not care to eat, though he was very hungry. He glanced inquiringly at his guide, and saw that she was tiptoeing back to the reception-room, where they had left Prince Vasily and the oldest niece. Pierre took it for granted that this also was as it should be, and after waiting a little while he followed her. Anna Mikhailovna was standing in front of the young lady, and both were talking at once in angry undertones. "'Permit me, princess, to decide what is necessary and what is not necessary,' the Princess Katish was saying, evidently still in the same angry frame of mind that she had been in when she slammed the door of her room." "'But, my dear young princess,' said Anna Mikhailovna, in a sweet but conclusive manner, barring the way to the Count's chamber and not allowing the young lady to pass, "'will this not be too great an effort for your uncle at this time, when he so much needs rest? At this time any conversation about worldly matters, when his soul has already been prepared?' Prince Vasily still sat in the armchair, in his familiar posture, with one leg thrown over the other." His cheeks twitched violently, and seemed to grow flabbier than usual, but he preserved the attitude of a man to whom the altercation of the two women was of no consequence. Voyon, ma bonne Anna Mikhailovna, let Katish have her way. You know how fond the Count is of her. I don't even know what is in this paper, said the young princess, turning to Prince Vasily, and pointing to the mosaic portfolio which she had in her hand. I only know that his last will is in his bureau, but this is a paper which he has forgotten. They tried to pass by Anna Mikhailovna, 
but Anna Mikhailovna springing forward again barred her way. "'I know, my good, dear princess,' said Anna Mikhailovna, grabbing the portfolio and so firmly that it was evident she would not let go in a hurry. "'My dear princess, I beg of you, I beseech you, have pity on him. Je vous en conjure. The young princess said not a word. All that was heard was the noise of the struggle for the possession of the portfolio. It was plain to see that if she had opened her mouth to speak, what she said would not have been flattering for Anna Mikhailovna. The latter clung to the portfolio unflinchingly, but, nevertheless, her voice was soft, sweet, and gentle as ever. "'Pierre, my dear, come here. I think he will not be in the way in this family council, will he, prince?' "'Why don't you speak, mon cousin?' suddenly cried the young princess, so loud that those in the little drawing-room heard it and were startled. "'Why don't you speak? When here, God knows who permits herself to meddle in matters that don't concern her, and make scenes on the very threshold of the death-chamber. "'Intrigantka!' she hissed in a loud whisper, and snatched at the portfolio with all her force. But Anna Mikhailovna took two or three steps forward so as not to let go her hold of it, and succeeded in keeping it in her hand." Oh, cried Prince Vasily reproachfully, and rising in surprise. C'est ridicule, veillons. Let go, I tell you. The Princess Katish obeyed. You also. Anna Mikhailovna paid no attention to him. Drop it, I tell you. I will assume the whole responsibility. I will go and ask him. I will. That ought to satisfy you. May, mon prince, said Anna Mikhailovna. After this great mystery, allow him a moment to rest. Here, Pierre, give us your opinion, said she, turning to the young man, who, coming close to them, looked in amazement at the princess's angry face, from which all the dignity had departed, and at Prince Vasily's twitching cheeks. Remember that you will answer for all the consequences, said Prince Vasily angrily. You don't know what you are doing. You vile woman! screamed the young princess, unexpectedly darting at Anna Mikhailovna and snatching away the portfolio. Prince Vasily hung his head and spread open his hands. At this juncture, that terrible door at which Pierre had been looking so long, and which was usually opened so gently, was hastily and noisily flung back, so that it struck against the wall, and the second sister rushed out wringing her hands. "'What are you doing?' she cried in despair. "'He is dying!' and you leave me alone. The Princess Katerina dropped the portfolio. Anna Mikhailovna hastily bent over, and picking up the precious object, hastened into the death chamber. The Princess Katerina and Prince Vasily, coming to their senses, followed her. In a few moments, Princess Katerina came out again, the first of all, with a pale, stern face, and biting her lower lip. At the sight of Pierre, her face expressed uncontrollable hatred." "'Yes, now you can swell round,' said she. "'You have been waiting for this.' And beginning to sob, she hid her face in her handkerchief and ran from the room. The princess was followed by Prince Vasily. Reeling a little, he went to the sofa on which Pierre was sitting and flung himself on it, covering his face with his hands. Pierre noticed that he was pale, and that his lower jaw trembled and shook as though he had an ague attack. "'Ah!' my friend, said he, taking Pierre by the elbow, and there was in his voice a sincerity and gentleness which Pierre had never before noticed in it. How we sin, and how we cheat, and all for what? 
I am sixty years old, my dear. Look at me. Death is the end of all. All. Death is horrible. And he burst into tears. Anna Mikhailovna came out last of all. She went straight up to Pierre with slow, quiet steps. Pierre, said she. Pierre looked at her inquiringly. She kissed the young man on the forehead, which she wet with her tears. Then, after a silence, she added, Il n'est puel, he is dead. Pierre looked at her through his glasses. Come, I will lead you away. Try to weep. Nothing is so consoling as tears. She led him into the dark drawing-room, and Pierre was relieved that no one was there to see his face. Anna Mikhailovna left him there, and when she returned he was sound asleep, with his head resting on his arm. The next morning Anna Mikhailovna said to Pierre in French, "'Yes, my dear, it is a great loss for all of us. I am not speaking of you, but God will give you support. You are young, and at the head of an immense fortune, I hope. The will has not been opened yet.' I know you well enough to believe that this will not turn your head, but new duties will devolve upon you, and you must be a man. Pierre made no reply. Perhaps later I will tell you, mon cher, that if I had not been here, God knows what might have happened. You know, mon oncle, only the day before, promised me that he would not forget Boris. But he did not have the time. I hope, mon cher ami, that you will fulfill your father's desire." Pierre entirely failed to see what she was driving at, and without saying anything, and reddening with mortification, looked at Anna Mikhailovna. Having thus spoken with Pierre, she drove back to the Rostovs and lay down to rest. After her nap, that same morning, she began to tell the Rostovs and all her acquaintances the particulars of the death of Count Buzakoy. She declared that the Count had died as she herself would wish to die, that his end had not only been pathetic, but even edifying, the last meeting of father and son had been so touching that she could not think of it without tears, and that she could not tell which had borne himself with the more composure during these dreadful moments. The father, who had had a thought for everything and every one during those last hours, and had spoken such affectionate and touching words to his son, or Pierre, whom it was pitiful to see, he was so overcome, and yet in spite of it struggled so manfully to hide his grief so as not to pain his dying father." Such scenes are painful, but they do one good. It is elevating to the soul to see such men as the old count and his noble son. As to the actions of Princess Katerina and Prince Vasily, she spoke of them also, but in terms of reprobation, and under the promise of strictest secrecy. End of chapter 22